Hi, and welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. My name is Jen, and I am so happy that you're with me today. This podcast is just for you, Mama, because you matter. Each week, I'll be talking with another mama. As most conversations with women go, we'll cover a multitude of topics, but mainly we'll share stories of motherhood, all the ups and downs, lessons learned, and how these mamas practice self-care. So take a seat, fold your laundry, drink your coffee, do your dishes, I know you're multitasking, and listen in. Before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to Lita Pita on iTunes, who left an awesome review on the Mama Needs podcast. So I'm going to read it. This is a great podcast to help you realize that we are all going through similar things as moms. Jen does a great job making you feel like you're sitting around a table together, drinking coffee and talking about life. That is so kind. And that's exactly what I want this podcast to feel like. So I would love it if you would go to iTunes and give me five stars and a short review. It really helps all the other moms be able to see this podcast and help us uh, get the word out about it. So thank you so much. I'd really appreciate it. Today I'm interviewing Katie Alexander. Katie is releasing a book called This One's for the Working Mama in early fall. She's worked for 13 years in healthcare strategic planning and business development. She lives in Apollo Beach, Florida with her husband of 15 years and their two little girls, Ella, 11, and Meadow, 5. If you work in any capacity, this episode is going to encourage you so much. I found myself wishing I had read her book years ago when I was battling what I call the mythical balance of motherhood and working at a job that I loved. I know you will love all that she has to say. Enjoy my episode with Katie. Hey, Katie, thank you so much for being on the Mama Needs podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. I'm very excited about this. Yes, it's so good to meet you. Um, Just so the listeners know, we met virtually online. Uh, You emailed me um, because you had heard my episode on the Mom Wants More podcast. And uh, you explained to me some super exciting news that you have a book coming out. And it's just for working mamas. It's called This One's for the Working Mama, Permission to Live with a Soul on Fire. I love that so much. And um, we are definitely going to get into that in a minute. But I wanted first uh, for you to tell us just a little bit about you, about your family, what you, where you guys live, and what you do. Sure. Thanks. So I'm Katie Alexander. I am a Florida native. There are not too many of them. I'm no. born and raised. I've tried to move out of the state for many years, but that has not been God's plan. Um, So we're there. And I am married to my high school sweetheart. We met when we were 15. Um, Another big reason why we stayed in Florida. All of our families are there. We grew up there. We have uh, two beautiful little girls, 11 and 5, and I am a working mama. And I have been, um, since I had the girls, I have spent my career in healthcare strategic planning and business development. And uh, as you kind of alluded to, I've dove into this book um, kind of as a side project, uh, not a business. I don't look at it necessarily as a business. Uh, It was just kind of to fill a void in my own life, constantly looking for a resource to meet me in the trenches of working motherhood um, and coming up short, especially in kind of the faith-based area, because when you live your life by those standards, you can pick up a book. for working moms that's, you know, worldly and career driven, but it doesn't quite 
sit well with a soul that's aligned in different ways. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, And we have two dogs, which you might hear on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are currently on vacation. So we're podcasting from vacation, which is fun. Oh, that's so fun. Well, we already have two things in common. We're both native Floridians, which is so yep. fun. Mm-hmm. I did move out of the state, which was very sad because our family also, uh, most of our family lives down in uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Mm-hmm. And, that's <laughs> and, so, um, and then also the other thing we have in common is that we both married our high school sweethearts. How fun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you don't hear that too often. I love I that. I know. My parents uh, met in high school too, so it's kind of. So did mine. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Yeah. Well, mine actually met in middle school, so they have a speed a little bit. But yeah, Mm -hmm. talk about growing up together for sure. Yep, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I just love getting to know you a little bit better. Um, Why don't you tell us also um, before we get into more of the meat of the book? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your motherhood journey and how that's been for you so far? Sure. So um, that's actually kind of how I kick things off in the book. Um, It feels weird to just jump right into being a working mom without sharing how I got there because it's such a big part of my story. Um, So my husband and I were married at 20 and uh, I graduated college at 20 also. So I jumped into my career right away and we were about two years in. I landed my dream job and we kind of realized like this might be a good time to start trying to have a baby. And at 22 years old, you think you just try and the baby will just appear. So um, we went about six months with no success. And I do what I do best with my type A personality. I rushed to my doctor, like, why hasn't this happened yet? Um, Which led to a lovely conversation about how it actually works and how difficult it is to actually get pregnant. Um, But she said, you know, for your own peace of mind, we can run a few tests because there were some signs there. like irregular periods and things like that, where she's like, you know, this might be a contributing factor. So turns out at 22 years old, I found out that I had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very common. Um, A lot of women deal with it, don't even know they have it. But it kind of made me realize that their journey to motherhood was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And at 22, most things that I kind of wanted to tackle in my life, I was able to just do those rapidly. So this was kind of a new training and faith for me um, because it was something completely outside of my control and Mm -hmm. something that I started wanting so badly. And then people around me were having babies, like everybody around me was having babies. Um, So we started with um, fertility treatments and uh, we were, it took about two and a half years. And what's interesting about PCOS is you never mature a follicle. So for two and a half years, I took fertility medication, went in for ultrasounds, and never had a single viable um, egg. And so at the two and a half year mark, um, they told me I needed a surgery because the medication had created a cyst, which was, this was all just such a setback, you know, in the journey. And I was pretty much ready to throw in the towel and be done with it. Um, I write in the book, I was going to buy a two-seater convertible and move to a high-rise in the city, and I was serious. I'm like, well, I guess if we can't, you know, have kids. Um, And my husband was not kind of in 
on board with adoption at that point. I mean, we were very young. And so it was like, wait, Katie, we have our whole lives ahead of us to figure this out. We don't have to like rush right into something. Um, so I actually bumped into my fertility doctor in my parking garage at work, which isn't that random because I work at the hospital. Um, but we started talking and it was kind of like God came down from heaven into the parking garage and said, just stay the path. Um, it is right up ahead and it might not be easy and quick, um, but it's right there. And sure enough, about two months after that, we were on a cruise in the Caribbean, 14 days after our fertility procedure with the first egg we had ever seen on the screen oh. and had a positive pregnancy test. So That's awesome. Yeah. So that was the start of motherhood. That was um, Ella. She is feisty and the love of our life. And then I wish I could say it was easier with the second one, but nope, we revisited the same fertility issues. Um, I participated in an off-label drug use for uh, metformin for PCOS, forgot about it. Six months later, found a pregnancy test. I took it and it was positive. Uh, I know it was crazy. We were moving out of our house and I'm like, I don't even know if this is expired. Um, (laughs) So I felt confident that, you know, God was, here God was delivering on this promise. And then, um, 10 weeks later I miscarried. Mm -hmm. So that was very challenging because here was something, um, I had kind of resolved. If I only had one baby, that was fine. We did the fertility stuff. It didn't work. I tried this drug use off label drug use thing. Um, and then here it was, it was like the gift you're waiting for to feel in the moment like it was taken away. And so um, I hadn't, you know, if you haven't gone through a miscarriage, you don't really understand the impact that that can have, I don't think. Um, But God used that in our lives to grow our faith so much. And what is just absolutely incredible is not even one month later, I was pregnant again. Um, Yeah, my doctor gave me some controversial advice to not stop trying because she said I was, I would be fertile. Um, if this is your story, absolutely consult your doctor. I am not a medical doctor, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, we ended up pregnant again. Um, so that is our little meadow India and she is five. So they are five years and 11 months apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just a joy, but they are strong-willed girls that are going to rule the world. Yeah, <laughs> They certainly rule our house. <laughs> girls are like that, aren't they? Yes. I have one. I have yes. one, and she's 10, and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have um, two boys, and so she is the boss of them for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is how I became a mom. Um, I have one more little one to meet when I get to heaven someday, but um, mm-hmm. that's the story. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that, you know, when we share our stories, it can kind of sound like, you know, everything's wrapped up in a bow and it was so easy, but that, um, that is not the case. And I know that that had to be very difficult, that whole road. And you're not sure if you're, if it's ever going to happen, um, just the hopelessness that you felt. So I'm so happy for you that you have those two little miracle babies. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so why don't we dive in to a little bit about the book? Now, sure. the first question I want to ask you was, have you always wanted to write a book? Uh, I know that you said you're in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of something that you've always thought about doing kind of on the side or how, like, how did this all happen? 
Sure, I love that question. Um, so I have loved writing since I was little. It was for my ninth birthday, I think. My mom gave me this um, classic Winnie the Pooh statue hunched over with a scroll and a pen. Um, and she gave me a card that said, like, she knew that I was going to somehow use my words someday. Um, so I went to college. I started out a pre-med major, and by my junior year, realized I hated blood, which is a bit of a problem. <laughs> that is problematic. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so I did <clears throat> transition into, um, I went to meet with, like, a career counselor, and they're like, well, what do you love to do? And I'm like, I love to write, but you can't make a career out of writing. And they're like, well, yes, you can. <laughs> um, so they pointed me to all these different things. So I actually was a public relations major. It was kind of the um, closest aligned thing I could switch into without losing years of you know credits and stuff. Yeah. And um, I did an internship in that field in a hospital and felt like this was kind of the best of both worlds. I could combine the two. So I have written, I have used the skill of writing for my entire career. Um, I, I kind of transitioned more into the sales and marketing side of healthcare, but constantly writing presentations and speeches and reports and things. But that is not the fun kind of writing. Right. Writing about the numbers of healthcare is not um, kind of what sets my soul on fire. Right. So it was um, probably 2017. And I kept trying to search for this resource uh, for working moms. And I just kind of started with this small voice in my head, like, Katie, you'll write it. And I'm like, yeah, right. Where will I <laughs> find the time? I don't have the words. I'm not an expert on anything. Um, and then it just never quieted. You know, I tried to silence that voice. It never quieted. Um, so it was January of 2018. I had taken two weeks off work for a surgery and recovery. And there's nothing like being stuck on your couch for two weeks to kind of get you going. Yeah. So I just picked up my laptop one day and just started to write. Um, I've talked to many people in the industry who have told me I did it all wrong or backwards. <laughs> um, but this is just, this is my process. And one, one thing I actually kind of realized this week, because um, I've had some time to reflect, is the whole did it this way is my entire life I've worked for somebody else. So this has been my opportunity to be creative in a way where I get to just dictate where it goes from here and call the shots. So I wrote the book from start to finish in seven months. Um, and then I hired an editor and a, kind of an editing coaching firm. Mm -hmm. And we quickly realized I didn't have a theme because her first question was kind of like, what is the book about? And I'm like, well, it's a collection of chapters about navigating your way through working motherhood. Um, and then I had an opportunity in the middle of this to go to one of Lisa Turkis um, conferences. And it was sitting there that I realized like there was 600 women in this room and they're all there because they're looking for something. And they're kind of no different than me. I'm looking for something. Um, so that's where the tagline was born. She actually gave out, or the subtitle, she gave out these little books. <clears throat> and I wrote in there, Permission to Live with the Soul on Fire. Mm -hmm. And thought about what that actually means. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change your job or your circumstances or anything about your life to live with your soul on fire. You just have to change your mindset. 
You have to change your attitude and how you look at things, um, how you view motherhood. I mean, the motherhood narrative is, is pretty dark right now. Like, if you Google books for motherhood, they're like, my kid sucks. I mean, I just saw one where the title was like that, or like motherhood sucks, or drinking your way through motherhood. Like, it's just, the narrative is so negative, and um, it just felt like an opportunity to say to women out there, like, I'm not an expert on the topic. How do you be an expert on working motherhood? I mean, if you worked and you're a mom and your kids are still alive, congratulations, you're the expert. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yes. I just sat down and gave God the opportunity to use me as a vessel to put the words on a page. And I got to tell you, like, I read them back. I'm like, who wrote this? Like, Aww. I don't remember writing this. Um, and it's awesome. met me. It's met me where I need it. So it's not me on the soapbox of, hey, I have mastered all of this. Um, in fact, when you get to chapter 10, you realize, like, I still struggle, like, a lot with where do I go from here? What's next? Um, what's next in my career, my home life? But there's a way that you can blend the two and, like, live your actual life and not live for your job and not just live for your kids, but create this beautiful life without maybe even changing many of your circumstances. So it's just kind of a high five for hanging in there. And it was birthed out of a need. And um, I, there's no better word than calling because when that voice just started, it was like, okay, I can't, if I can't mute it, I need to follow through. And worst case scenario, I sit down, I type a few paragraphs and it never goes anywhere. And trust me, I have met so much opposition on this journey. I'm sure. <laughs> that I have thrown the whole manuscript in the trash at one point. Um, oh my gosh. And... Thankfully, it was on my computer, and my husband's like, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, you've gotten this far. But I don't like um, rejection, and when I started initially down the road of pitching agents, um, I realized that the book industry is, is very mapped out, and if you don't have a platform and you don't have a following, it's going to be very difficult to get recognized. Yeah. But that's what I love about – God, he can create a way where there was no way. Um, the publisher Absolutely. that I'm working with, they called me out of the blue. I had filled out a form. I did not give them my phone number. I don't even know how they got my phone number. And it just kind of all fell in place um, in a way that if my goal is just to get the book in someone's hands to help them, that's exactly what I have found a way to do. So Wow. I'm like so inspired. That Aww. story is so inspiring. Um, and the message of the book, I think, is so relatable and I think resonates with so many moms who are working in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, what I have read so far, I told you before we started recording, um, was so impactful. Um, Katie is a really great, a really great writer and it's funny. So, um, this book comes out, you said in fall 2019, we yeah. don't have a specific date yet. Um, no date yet. No date yet, but, and we will tell you how to find all the information about it. But what I wanted to say about this was, um, I needed this book in, let's see, <laughs> to, between the years of 2008 and 2014. Um, because yeah. I was working full time out of the home. Um, I was working in a, uh, in a church. And so it was very flexible with my schedule. Um, I was able to stay home like half a day, certain mm -hmm. days, and then go into the office the other days. 
my I was lucky because, uh, like I said earlier, my parents uh, and family live in Florida, and so my mom was able to take care of my kids, so I didn't have to pay for daycare or anything like that, which was a huge blessing. Um, but I was so unhappy um, a lot of the time because you know, I loved my job. Oh, I loved it so much. Um, and especially loved it before I had kids <laughs> because I was so carefree yes. and yeah, um, I didn't have anything else to worry about except my husband and myself. Um, and then all of a sudden I had this baby and I realized, oh, I have to leave her. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, tr- it was, you know, traumatic is a little, a little dramatic, but it it was hard. Yeah. It was, I would just, I came to work the first day back and I, I was so emotional. Oh gosh. Mm. Um, pumping in my office many times a day for several months, you know, until she, her feedings got farther apart. Uh, you know, I'd (laughs) have to lock the door and put a sign up and, uh, it was just so, awkward and <laughs> I've got stories of we- like weird places where I had to pop. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just uh, resonate with this message so much because um, around 2000, I want to say 2012, I had two kids mm-hmm. at that time. Um, my daughter was, I think two or three, she was three and my son was a newborn. Um, and so I, I just was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I was constantly feeling totally out of balance. And I know balance is, is kind of a myth because everyone tries to find this, you know, mythical balance uh, in yeah. life and it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, you know, at the time I was, I think I was 28, 27, mm-hmm. um, still learning, still new. Um, but I was constantly out of balance. I felt like if I gave my all at work, home was suffering. If mm-hmm. I gave my all at home, work was suffering and I was mm-hmm. getting in trouble or getting those emails of, you know, where is this project? Where are we at with this project? What are we doing here? And then at home, I'd be like, <laughs> like 10 loads of laundry behind, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and no groceries, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Toilets need to be clean that aren't clean, yeah. things like that. And I, so I was constantly feeling like a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you, what would you say to someone like me mm-hmm. who has kind of, um, you know, it's trying to find that, like I said, mythical balance constantly sure. feels like a failure being tugged both ways. Mm-hmm. How does your book encourage someone like that? So what's awesome about this question is you've teed it up perfectly because the first half of the book is all about the home life. Um, it's about your parenting, your home front, your homestead, like your home needs to be your sanctuary. And we are all created different. There are some people that dishes on the counter don't bother them. And there are others like me raised by an OCD mother where I can't function. If my Mm. space is out of order, it disrupts like my ability to rest, all of that. Um, So when you have that kind of perfection ingrained, it's, it's hard to do it all. The yeah. second half of the book um, looks at your work life. And right there in the middle is where I start to transition to say your most important goals are your personal goals. So let's outline those. What are your personal goals? What do you want your home to look like? What do you want your home to smell like? What do you want um, your house rules to look like? What is most important to you with raising your kids? Because the reality is somebody else is raising your kids with you if you're a working mom. No matter how well you can tee them up, prepare them, give them an instruction manual, they're going to impart their own 
things on your kids, good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a cliche, but choosing your battles. Um, there are some things that I just give up with parenting. We do screen time sometimes um, because I need to get ready or I need to finish something. Um, they're not sitting there like watching mindless mush. Most of it's like an educational app or a game or something. They've learned mm-hmm. how to read from Leapfrog Letter Factory. Um, That's great. So, so it's kind of understanding what are those areas in your personal life that are non-negotiables and what can you give up a little bit? Mm-hmm. And then what can you outsource? And you didn't, this is not a message for the rich. This is not a message for the person who can afford a housekeeper. There was a time in our young married life where coming up with $65 a month to have someone come into our house once a month and clean was a stretch, but we did it. We made it work. I cut back in other areas. I stopped going to lunch at work. I made one less trip to Target because (laughs) I needed somebody who would scrub the toilets, scrub the floors. Um, She would do a few loads of laundry while she was there, like the big stuff so that I could um, just do little maintenance stuff in between. And I spell this out. Like there's a book on, I mean, there's a chapter on practical tips. I spell it out in there. If you want to get your weekends back and not spend it on the minutiae, try this, this, and this. If you can't afford to hire a housekeeper, go on your Nextdoor app and offer to watch someone's kids for three hours while they clean your house because there are some stay-at-home moms who would consider cleaning your house a vacation if someone else washed their kids. Um, I have a great idea or you barter, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys want a date night? I need my house clean. Can you clean my house while your kids are in school? And I'll watch your house or I'll watch your kids while, you know, you guys have a date night. So it's not just for the executive professional mom. It's for like every mom who's working outside the home and trying to balance it all. So once you kind of get a grip around what is important in your home life, what do you want to see out of that? Then I transition into your professional career. Where do you want to be professionally in one year, three years, and five years? And a lot of people do this exercise, but what they forget to do is look back and compare it to their personal list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if your goal is be CEO of your company by, let's say, age 38, and on your personal list, your goal was have more time with my kids, those two things do not line up. So at some point, you have to step back and make a decision and say, which of these is more important to me? Because here's the big secret. You can't have it all. You cannot have both. At least not at the same time. That's not to say when your kids aren't in middle school or high school and things are easier, you can advance more. Um, And I advanced pretty rapidly. So at 33 years old, I kind of hit all of my career goals, six-figure earner, um, part of the executive leadership in our company. And I stood back and said, whoa, how did I get here? This was Mm. not... I'm not living my dream. I'm living somebody else's dream. And you can't exactly step backwards then. Um, right. So I hope to use that to encourage women to say, like, while the world tells you to work harder, chase more, work faster, um, advance your career faster, it will cripple your soul if what your personal goals are are more family time, a balanced home, all of these things there's a sweet spot in there. Um, Mm. But yeah, I don't like the word balance either because it's never going to be totally balanced. It's always going to be one over the other. Um, There have definitely been times where I have to say to my kids, like, mommy can't answer you right now because I have to answer this email. 
But I try to explain to them, like, here's what the email is about. And not that my five-year-old cares about strategic planning, <laughs> but at least she likes to, to know, like, I'm talking to her like she can understand it. And then if I'll be on my phone, she'll respect that and say, mommy's doing her work. And sometimes, no, I'm not, which is a little convicting. <laughs> um, but engaging them in the conversation and helping them to realize, like, you know, if you want if you want to dream big and you want to have goals, it takes hard work. And it's okay sometimes to say to your kids, like, this is an hour where mom's got to work and you've got to play and we'll meet up in an hour and we'll do slime and all the other things you want to do. Um, but it's kind of teaching them patience too. So yeah, what I've just tried to do to go back to answering your question is do just that. Line up um, and not what I'm telling you. I want you as the reader to think about what is the life you want to live. And I've given you some tips and tools to get on that path, but it's not me dictating anything for you. Your goals may be very different than my goals. Um, there might be a lot of working moms out there who truly just want to be at home. But mm -hmm. I actually talk about that a little bit too, because there's a time where I had this stirring where I felt like I want to be home. And that's kind of how I end the book is, um, God working in my life to show me that my next step might be something different than my previous steps and mm. kind of just waiting it out to see where he takes that. And it might be book two. We'll see. <laughs> um, so just kind of navigating through all of that. And if God makes a way for you to leave your job and be home, that's awesome. Yeah. That is, that is awesome. Well, I love all of that that you said. Um, I think that's so smart to write down all of your goals and then kind of go from there and see what you can do to make those happen. See what's unrealistic because I think, you know, sometimes we can have a goal and realize, well, that's not realistic for my season in life right now. Mm -hmm. um, maybe eventually. Um, but I love the idea of um, writing those out, really having them in front of you and then saying, okay, how can we, how can we make this happen? Where's the sweet spot? I really like mm -hmm. that. The sponsor of this podcast is the Mama Needs Subscription Box. It is a monthly curated self-care box just for mamas. Our mission is to help mamas remember to put themselves on their to-do list and remind them that they matter. Each box is filled with four to six items every month, gifts, self-care tools, and products all packed and done for you. Every month is a new and relevant theme. Some of our past themes have been Mama Needs Peace, Mama Needs Chocolate, Mama Needs a Spa Day, and more. The boxes are $39.99 plus shipping, but you can get free shipping on your very first box by using the code PODCAST at checkout. Just go to mamaneedsbox.com. All right, now back to our conversation. And then the other thing was um, a long time ago, you know, somewhere during those years that I told you about, uh, I emailed a mom who was a working mom I had read an article she wrote and I emailed her and I was desperate and I was just like, I am, I am a mess. I am a hot mess. Um, I cannot figure this out. How are you working? And I think she had, she had at least two kids. She might've had more, which is why I was like, how are you doing this? <laughs> because with two kids and working, I was just at my limit. I felt like, um, and so I remember just being so desperate, reaching out to her, this woman, I don't even know. Uh, and, I said, how are you doing this? I don't, I, I don't know how to do this. And 
something that she said back to me has always, always stuck with me was um, it's okay. For, like, and you kind of alluded it, alluded to it. It's okay for your kids to see you working. And in fact, it helps them be better workers in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps them see your work ethic and how hard that you work for the family. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing for them to, to watch you do something that you love, um, but also just do something that provides for the family. A lot of the time, um, even just in our family right now, you know, I work from home and my husband also works from home. He goes out on shoots. He owns a video production company, but he's mostly at home. Um, but when he's out, my kids are like, you're never home. And I'm like, you guys don't even know. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't remember our life in Florida and how much we worked. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm like, guys, just stop, stop Mm -hmm. complaining. Um, but we'll say, you know, do you like to eat? Um, do you like the house that we live in? Uh, (laughs) Do you like the clothes that we just bought you? Do you like, you know, this and that? Um, and that really brings it back home to them mm-hmm. saying, oh, you're working because we mm-hmm. need these certain things. Um, yep. And so now even my 10-year-old will say it. Uh, she'll say it to my, my son, ever, do you, like, do you like to eat? Do you like these things? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, she gets it, finally. Yep. So, um, yep. I just, that has always stuck with me. Like, it's mm-hmm. okay for your kids to see you work. Um, and I love that you explain it to your daughter in, in terms she can understand mm-hmm. um, and just make her be a part of it instead of saying, no, 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 no. I, I can't talk to you right now. I can't talk to you right now. You know, focus. Like, that's what I would tend to do sometimes if I'm like in a moment and they're, you know, sure. mommy, mommy, mommy. And I'm just like, mommy needs a moment. You know, like, leave I me have those moments too. Don't worry. <laughs> You're not alone. Yes. I love that. Um, well, I love the idea of including them uh, mm-hmm. in, in your work and showing them what you do. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, let's switch gears. I still want to talk about the book, um, but I want to talk about self-care because sure. um, that was something that really stuck out to to you and, and kind of the reason I think you emailed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a whole chapter on self-care and um, kind of your definition of it. And I would love for you to talk about that with us because um, self-care is hard enough. And then when you add children and you add a job um, and other responsibilities that you have, it just seems like it will never happen. And if you do it, you feel guilty. Um, And so as you know, we talk about this on the podcast every single episode and I love everyone's different kind of, um, takes on it and definitions about it. So I would love for you to share with us about uh, your version of self-care. Yes, this is why I reached out to you. Um, Because when I was listening to your podcast episode with um, The Mom Once More, I loved how you defined it. Because for many years, I've seen this word um, circle around on my social media and books I read. It's it's kind of like everywhere for a reason because we've neglected it for so long, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had such a hard time embracing it because of the label. And I didn't realize it was the label at first. So I just kind of like dove into it and I'm Googling. It's what I do when I don't understand (laughs) something. I Google it. Um, I'm Googling it, you know, looking for definitions. And I found that there's just like such – two very separate definitions. There's a definition that elevates yourself above others, which Mm -hmm. if you 
live by, you know, like if Jesus is your example for life, that's not how he lived, but he did take time for himself. Yeah. So it was kind of trying to find a new definition, one that I can embrace just because in my brain, when I heard the term self-care or tried to use it, like, hey, I need self-care, it felt like I'm telling the world, hey, I'm more important than you, so I need to go take care of myself, mm-hmm. which yeah. that's my own personal hang-up. That's not the general definition of, of it. But I thought, if I'm struggling with this, there's probably other people struggling with it too. And then what we do is we continue in the rat race and the hamster wheel and never actually step off to do the things that we need to be doing to take care of our bodies. So as I thought about this, I looked to the life of Jesus. Like what did he do when he walked the earth? Because he's supposed to be our example of living a godly life in these human bodies. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, he took time to rest. He ate when he was hungry He drank when he was thirsty. Um, And then the Bible says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we are running them ragged and not taking time to rest our bodies, that's actually an act of disobedience. Hmm. So it kind of flipped the switch for me that if I'm taking time to meal prep, if I'm taking time to exercise or lay on the couch on Sunday with a book and rest, I'm actually worshiping God with this temple that he gave me. I am being obedient and this is not anything I should feel guilty about. In fact, I should be guilty about it if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not respecting what he gave me. Um, the next aspect of it when you step away from you know the body was the mind. And if I'm not taking time to fill my mind with things that are uplifting and encouraging, um, Again, the world's filling it daily. It's making deposits every single day of telling me that I deserve this or I need this or I need to work for this or shame on you because you didn't do that. And so I need to counter that with truth. And um, that's where I take time to listen to a podcast like Mm -hmm. the one you were on or uh, read a book or spend time in the word or just kind of sit quietly and try to clear my mind. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's things that I love, you know, and what I love might be different than what you love. Um, but I know that God created me with a love for those things because it's when I'm doing those things that I feel closest to him. So like writing this book, I felt so connected um, writing this book with with God. I love to paint. I love to do crafts with my kids. Um, And those are the times where like, I really feel like alive and like I'm using the gifts that I was created to use. So none of those things are selfish. In fact, I look at it more like soul care. So I talk about in my book, swapping the label shifting a mentality from self-care to soul care. And the reason for doing soul care is because you are being obedient to God. If he gave you gifts and talents and you're not using them, shame on you. If he gave you this body and you're not taking care of it, shame on you. You know, these are not things that are selfish. Um, He did all of this for a purpose. And the purpose isn't just to jump on this rat race of being in corporate America and working a job like if your job is your life, please call me. We'll talk because that is not the life that he wants you to live. Um, it can be a part of your life, but if that's what's 
defining you and you can't even step off it to take time for um, what he created you to do because chances are you are not working in a job that is using all of your spiritual gifts. I certainly am not. Um, I happen to be pretty good at my job, but it is not using half of my gifts. That's why I wrote a book in my free time. And yes, I do have free time. Um, and that's why in the past, a few years ago, I did a photography business on the side because oh, wow. I just knew that there were things that I loved that I wasn't getting to do in my job. And why not just do them? You know, mm -hmm. it's, if it's what makes me feel alive. So I loved you gave you gave a very similar answer in that interview about how you view self care, that it's not selfish. And I think the more that we can pass that message on to women, the better off they'll be. They'll be less yeah. tired, stressed out moms looking at books that say things like my kids suck, you know, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and embrace, embrace more of like the joyful moments because mm -hmm. we all need an opportunity to rest. I mean, come on, God rested on the seventh day. He mm -hmm. rested. Like mm -hmm. if you're not resting, you're not obeying what you were created to do. Yes, absolutely. And I love, I love the way you phrased it and put it. And we talk a lot about how, um, self-care isn't just, um, it, it doesn't just happen, uh, mm -hmm. that it's, it takes intentionality, it takes planning, um, because especially if you're working, you've got to okay. fit it in somehow, right? Yep. Um, and we also talk about how it's a necessity, and I think that's what you're saying too, is that, um, you know, these things that God put in our, um, these, these giftings that God gave us, mm -hmm. um, it's a necessity to use them because you know, if you're, if you're not using them right now, you don't know, but when you do use them, they make you feel alive. They make you come alive. Yeah. They make you a better version of yourself. And, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, so many, so many people, um, kind of give this very self-focused definition of self-care. And I can see how that would be a huge hang-up. Um, um, but I love that you challenge us to kind of do that, that shift um, and say, you know, it's this, you're not doing this because it's about you. You're doing this because it's the best thing for your family. And it is, I mean, it is going to help you in the long run, but um, it's a necessity. It's something that has to happen um, or you're going to burn out. And that's mm -hmm. a, a huge thing I talk about is mom burnout because I've been there and uh, it's not fun. It's not pretty. And um, in order to kind of stay away from that, self-care is a necessity. So I love that we share um, share that kind of passion for it, and I love that you dedicated a whole chapter in your book to it. Um, now, I wanted to wrap up a little bit, but uh, tell us where we can find more information about the book and where people can pre-order and support you and all of those things. Well, thank you for that opportunity, a little plug. Mm -hmm. uh, so the book release date is in the fall of um, coming up here in the fall. That's one of the things about self-publishing and doing all this on my own. Um, I'm not 100% sure on when I want to hit the little magic button that says launch because there's some things leading up to it that need to be done. Um, but we'll call it fall. But in the meantime, <laughs> if you want to follow along for updates, um, I'm on Instagram. It's called at For the Working Mama. I have a website, For the Working Mama. 
And I just launched a podcast uh, on iTunes and Spotify um, that you can either find by my name, Katie Alexander, or this one's for the working mama. And it's not your typical podcast. It's not like this one. There's no interviews. Um, they're really just eight-minute devotions that are meant to fill your car with uh, uplifting truth either on your commute in to work or maybe you need it on your way home because sometimes mm -hmm. I was grumpier coming home than on my way in. Yes. Um, and it actually kind of goes along with chapter one in the book. Each chapter of the book has an application section. So after you've read some of my story or the story of people in my life, there's an application section that helps you kind of think about the tools that we're giving you and how you can apply it in your life. So in chapter one, um, one of the things I talk about is that you need to – fill your life with truth. And the only way to do that is make a habit out of getting into the word of God. And so it's a challenge to spend 31 days in Proverbs. So the first 31 days of the or first 31 episodes of the podcast are diving into the chapters of Proverbs one at a time. Um, you do your own independent reading of the scripture, but I'll mention a few verses. So that's another way you can connect with me. Um, my website still has some openings on the launch team. If anyone's interested in a book launch team, that'll close probably the end of summer here um, as we kind of jump things off. But I just appreciate um, you giving me the opportunity to talk to your listeners and really just let them know that, you know, there's, there's another one of us out there um, who are working our way through this. And I know the job that you're doing if you're a working mom working outside the home in any capacity even if you're a work from home um in a job where you report to a boss it's so different it's so i'm not saying it's more or less challenging than working for yourself or running a home-based business but there's a different layer of accountability and a guilt that comes from a kid being sick and needing to call in or miss a meeting or um, not really having the privilege of taking control of your schedule. You know, mm -hmm. there's many field trips I missed. There's many award ceremonies that no one could be at um, at school because they're at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of a reminder that we're all in this together and those times are sad and it's, it's hard, but you can just move on from it and pour into the next big thing in your kid's mm -hmm. life. And I was a child of a working mom. My mom started working when I was 12. So I can compare the pre-work to the post-work. And I can confidently say it's the years where my mom worked that impacted me the, the most in what I wanted to do with my life. Um, mm -hmm. I loved that she was home and those were, were precious times with her and she was an awesome mom. But I never, even as a kid, I just wanted something different. Um, when I played dolls, I would put them in a playpen and go off to my pretend job, um, <laughs> even before my mom worked. And so seeing her do, you know, come alive in her career and be successful just gave me something new to strive for. So your kids won't be in therapy because you have to go off to work or because you want to go off to work. That's an even bigger part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can find community even when you're busy with your job with other people, whether it's just curling up with my book and we can be friends um, yeah. or, you know, seeking it out in your own, you know, work and personal life. Yes. I love that. My mom was a working mom too. She still works. She's a preschool teacher and she only worked half days, but she still had a job at one time. We had a housekeeper, you know, so I watched her struggle. I watched her, um, you know, try to be a mom and a, and a 
wife and an employee and all the things all at once. So it was inspiring, um, you know, to think about later and realize, oh, my mom did this, <laughs> you know, and I can do this too. Um, the, one of the last questions I want to ask you, and I, I'm sure you have uh, a, you, well, I'm sure your book talks a lot about these, um, but what's a good or like maybe your number one mama hack that you would tell us? Uh, so I love that question because <laughs> my number one hack is laundry. So mm. I hate doing the laundry. Um, it's Same. my least favorite task. And for the first probably five years of our marriage, I would allow my husband to do the laundry, which meant I would buy nothing white. It all went in on holds. <laughs> he would mass produce clean clothes and then not want to fold them or put them away. And I also do not believe that laundry lives on a dining room table, mm. a countertop, or out where anyone can see it. So on my website, on fortheworkingmom.com, I did a blog post that goes into a lot more detail about this. But if laundry is what has stolen your weekends, <laughs> or if you can say, I can look around my house right now and there's a pile of laundry somewhere. You need to stop that because <laughs> laundry belongs in a hamper unless you are ready to wash, dry, fold, and put away. There is rarely a pile of dirty or clean clothes in my house that is not inside of a hamper. And there's no shame in that because no one can see the hamper. That's right. Um, so I detail this out. I have a different day of the week where I do different laundry. My oldest is in um, uniforms at school, so she's got to be like a Wednesday day because it gets her, you know, enough for the rest of the week. Um, everybody has their own hamper in their room on their day. They bring it down, they sort it in the light, dark color hamper. I do one to two loads of wash Monday through Friday. I do not wash on the weekends and there's never piles. Wow. So um, it's not to say everything is always clean. In fact, unless your family is willing to be noticed, you will never have all your clothes clean at the same time. So <laughs> let that go and just realize that it belongs where you drop it. So if it's in the hamper, you leave it there until you're ready to do something about it. Oh, that's a good um, and yeah, I found like a lot of freedom in that. And I've tried like lots of different ways. Um, Emily Lay has a great uh, laundry a day thing. I can't do laundry every single day. No. And, um, she does small loads on quick washes. And I would rather do like a large load and just get it over with and put it away. Mm -hmm. um, but I've adapted some of the things in hers uh, as tips and um, just kind of come up with my own system. And so I'd encourage you to go to that, find that post and create your own system for it. But the biggest thing is don't put laundry on your dining room table. And if no. that's all your dining room table is there for, change your dining room into like a sitting room or something else. <laughs> right. Oh, that's good. I love that. Um, and I'll, if you'll send me that link, I'll put it in I the will. show notes and yes. then everyone can easily find it right there. I will um, do that. That's really good. All right. The last question I want to ask you is, um, usually I say if you had, um, you know, one piece of advice to give to a new mama, what would you say? But I'm going to change it up for you just a little bit. I would just say if you had one piece of advice for a struggling working mama, what would it be? So I know I wrote a whole book that seems like it's filled with advice, but my biggest piece of advice is caution yourself against advice. You mm -hmm you get to write your job description for how you do this job. You might not get to write it for your work, but you get to write it for your home. And so stop comparing to other people. Don't look at my life. Don't look at my Instagram feed and think that 
I've got something that you need. I don't. I have my own challenges and struggles. And just like you, I only post the good things. Um, I'm not showing you the behind the scenes clips. Not because I'm trying to create this facade, um, but because the messy parts are just a part of life. But I don't want to celebrate the messy. I want to celebrate the good things. Mm -hmm. Um, So just be be cautious of what you're looking at in other people. You can look around your office and you can see other women and think like, man, they are just killing this, but they've got their own struggles. So just guard your heart against the advice. I mean, there's one truth in all the world and it's the Bible. Um, I try to tie that back into the advice that I give in the book. I don't tell you to do anything a certain way without trying to point you at least to some truth because Katie Alexander is not the expert. Um, And, just hang in there because a bad day does not define the rest, you know, and if you can just change your mindset um, in that day, whether you listen to some music that's going to lift you up or listen to a podcast episode or read um, a couple chapters of a book that's going to just set your mind at ease for a bit. Don't let that be the narrative for your life. Like life is so much more than your job. Yes. And I love that quote that you kind of see floating around on social media that says, um, bad days don't make bad mamas. Yep. And that's so true because, um, it's just a day and you know what? And I love the other quote. I'm not, I'm going to totally butcher it, um, from the book, Anna Green Gables, but oh, I tomorrow, love that yes, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you always have that to, lean on and remember. Um, and so I just love that you can always have a fresh start. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. You can always apologize, say you're sorry, yep. um, and, and move on. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I love that advice. And I love the advice of, of no comparison because it's so easy to do and it's so easy to get in that race. Um, I remember I did the same thing as a working mom. There was another mom I worked with and she seemed to have it all together. And I, I kept you know, kind of envying her and just being like, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I do what she's doing? And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many struggles that I didn't even know about, you know, she's obviously not doing it all. Yes. Um, (laughs) Nobody is. That's the big thing. Nobody's (laughs) doing it all. No. Well, you have been such an encouragement. Uh, I, I think that this episode is so important. Um, for working moms, really any mom, because I feel like we all work in some capacity, even if we stay home, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think anyone can relate to this message. So thank you so much for um, speaking this and writing this book, um, because it is so needed. And like I said, between those years of 2008, 2014, um, I, I could have really used a book like this. And so I know that I'm not alone. I know that there are other moms who need this message right now. And so like you said, you know, you just pray that it falls into the right hands. Um, And so through this episode, you guys who are interested, I would love for you to go to her website for the working mom.com for the working mom. Mama. Mama. Yes. M-A-M-A mama. That's right. (laughs) For the working mama.com. And go and subscribe to her podcast. Like she said, this one's for the working mama. And um, join the 31-day challenge. I think that is so good. And so it's so easy because it's just a short eight-minute 
um, you know, time to listen and then just reading one chapter of Proverbs, I think that's great. So thank you again for being on here. And it's thank been you, such a pleasure to get to know you and talk to you. So, and I can't wait to, I'm going to unbox one of your boxes on my social media here to encourage working mamas to get on board with the Mama Needs box. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. (laughs) All right. Good to talk to you. You too. Okay. Didn't you love that? I am so incredibly grateful for her message to working mamas. I know you're going to want to pre-order this book, so make sure you're following Katie on Instagram. She's at ForTheWorkingMama and on her website, ForTheWorkingMama.com. Also, go subscribe to her podcast, This One's For The Working Mama, to be encouraged for the next 31 days as she goes through the book of Proverbs. I know I am. Until next time, you matter, mama.